Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast today. Whether you're watching us or listening to us while you're on the treadmill, we're just grateful that you're here. Today, we have an incredible guest that's uh, that's here today to hang out with us. He's one of my personal coaches. His name is Pastor Steve Stroop, one of the most incredible leaders I know. And you're going to get to hear a little bit up from him today. I meet with him almost monthly where he shares insights. He helps me with the leadership of Or Church. He pours into me. I get to ask him any question I can ask him. And he just shares that insight with me. And today you get a sneak peek into what I get every single month from this guy. Welcome, Pastor Steve. Well, it's great to be here, and I know some people are just listening to audio, but those of you who are uh, on video, we're actually sitting at a round table, which is kind of nice. <laughs> right, so we're lots at the of round table. Lot, lots of integrity with this particular podcast. That's right. So, so the topic at hand today is self-leadership. Why in the world is leading myself so important, and why is it the first place we need to be starting at, Pastor? Yeah, you know, because usually as leaders, when we think about leadership, we think about leading down. That's right. And leading down is important, but it's probably the easiest kind of leadership that you can do because you actually have the gun, all right? Whether, whether or not that gun is <laughs> right. informal in terms of you just get, you've earned the influence or whether or not the power that you have by position, you, you can fire people, you can direct people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's important, but it's probably the easiest. Uh, there are other kinds of leadership, obviously. There's leading laterally, okay. where you're on a team and there's somebody that you're trying to lead who's on the same level that you're on and you don't have the gun. Mm-hmm. And you have to utilize the skills of communication and you have to use the skills of collaboration. And then there is leading up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think everybody needs a supervisor and there is a particular skill set to leading up. That's not the same thing as sucking up. That's a different talk. <laughs> But, uh, talk. but yeah, but it's important. But right in the middle of that is something that I want to talk about today, which is self-leadership, and that is leading yourself. And, and the reason it's important is twofold. One is that it will have a greater impact on your ministry than any other kind of leadership that you exercise. And secondly, it's the one you can control. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're leading down, you can always say they're not following or they're not cooperating. You can't really say that when you're leading yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's the most important and it's the one you have the most control over. Gosh, but sometimes it's one of the hardest ones to do. It's easier to look at everybody else and lead them. Why is it so hard for us to lead ourselves sometimes? Why, why is that a challenge? Well, I think part of it is because in order to lead yourself to get from here to there, wherever, from wherever you are to where you need to be, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd love to tell other people what they ought to do. Right and uh, have a vision for them, but I think it's a little harder for us because we not only have to cast that vision for ourselves, but we also have to implement it. And it's a lot easier to cast vision for other folks than it is to actually implement right. change and leadership in our own lives. Right, to cast vision for others. Wow, and, and when you talk about leading up, it just makes me think of what it looks like to lead when you're not in charge. Yeah. And, and how we can all start with ourselves If we've got nowhere else to start, Starting with me just makes a huge difference before I can even think about what it looks like to lead a few other people, a huge group of people, or an entire church. Yeah, yeah, there's really no excuse for not being in charge of your own leadership. And really, it's nobody else's job Mm -hmm. but your own to to lead yourself. And that's the first opportunity we all have to lead, is ourselves. So what are some of the the principles when we talk about self-leadership that pastors and leaders listening in today can focus on to say, you know what, today I'm going to do this so that I can begin leading myself better. Yeah, I think first of all is to pay attention to who you're leading. And and by that I mean pay attention to how God made you. 
the, the, the wonderful thing is that every single person, because God is so creative, is unique, as unique as a fingerprint. And God has, you think about it, God has given us a personality. And a lot of us in our ministry, we use personality assessment tools, which is good for identifying uh, who's on your team and what their strengths or their weaknesses may be or how they're going to go about it. Uh, tools like the DISC, D-I-S-C, mm -hmm. tools like Culture Index, uh, tools like Myers-Briggs and some of the other kind of tools that we have. And so I think the first is to understand the personality that God has given you. The second thing is when all of us get saved, God's Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and he brings luggage with him, which is a spiritual gift. So, right. so you take who you're uniquely made in terms of your personality. You're either task-oriented or you're people-oriented. You're right. either fast-paced or you're slow-paced, and there's not a bad one. It's just who you are. And then you take and overlay that with your spiritual gifts. And then you take that with your life experiences, mm -hmm. and you overlay that on top of that. And then uh, something I just discovered probably about 10 years ago was Strength Finder by Gallup, right. where it talks about the strength. So you could be a fast-paced people person and have strengths in terms of harmony. Or you can have a fast-paced people person who has strengths in terms of a maximizer. Somebody takes things and, and proves them. And so you lay all that over uh, that and you realize you're very unique. And so pay attention to that. Now, what does that look like in, in real life? Well, one of the things that I like to do is I like to look at uh, the tasks that I'm doing and put them in one of four categories. One category would be things I'm really bad at. Okay? okay. Now, you think about who I am, how God has made me, how he's gifted me, my life experiences, my education, skill enhancement, uh, my strengths. They're going to be, because of that matrix, mm -hmm. they're going to be some things I'm bad at. Right. So what are those things? The, the, I think that informs us. If I'm bad at those things, right. it means that that's not what God's called me to do necessarily. Mm -hmm. The second thing I want to look at is I want to look at the things I'm good at. And by good, I mean that I'm about as good as the average guy. Here's my definition, but nobody would ever pay me to do those activities. Okay. All right? All right? So I can type, but nobody would ever hire me as a typist. I can paint my own house, but nobody would ever pay me to paint their house <laughs> because they can't afford my hourly rate. Okay? <laughs> and I am really slow in order to do a job with excellence. And then there's a third category, and this is a very interesting category. I think it's the most interesting category, and it's things that I'm great at. Wow. And, or, or, or that I'm excellent at. And these are things that I'm good enough at it that if I had to, I could actually make a living doing those things. Okay. For example, I have a, a degree in psychology as well as uh, a, a, an advanced degree in theology. And so I know the Bible and I know psychology and I'm strategic. The way God wired me, I'm strategic. So I could be a counselor. Okay. But let me pause here and say, if I had to counsel people every day, take a very large stick and poke me in the eye, <laughs> It would just wear me out. Right. So I could make a living doing it, but it, and I'm, I'm great at it. I'll take it a step further. I'm great at communication. Okay. I teach uh, at my church on a regular basis about 30 to 32 weeks out of the year, and I get good feedback from that. I know that I'm right. great at it, but it takes a lot of energy for me to do it at that level. What, what I'm really, really, really made to do is the fourth category, and that's called unique ability. Okay. When God was forming me in my mother's womb, he created me to be a strategic leader. And I'm strategic even when nobody wants me to be, is okay. what my wife says. <laughs> okay? 
I, I just can't <laughs> yes. help myself. Right, right, right. When I see a problem, I see something that's constraining something, immediately my mind goes to the right. seven steps to take it there and who to delegate it to. Mm -hmm. And I, it just, it's who I am. And so what I want to do is I want to look at my job and what I'm called upon to do, and I want to eliminate everything I'm bad at. I want to eliminate everything I'm good at. And I, as far as possible, I want to eliminate the things that I'm just great at wow. so that I can spend more energy in my unique ability. Now, here's a real key. This maybe is worth the whole podcast right here. Wow. When people from the outside look at your third category and your fourth category, your great category and your unique ability, they can't tell the difference between the two. But you can. Wow. So what's the difference between the two? The things that I'm great at, if I do enough of it, it will wear me out. Oh. It takes more energy because I'm stepping outside gotcha. of my unique ability. Okay. Because I'm a person of character and I care about quality and I care about the cause of Christ, I will put the time in it to step outside of my unique ability to do those things great. And I have enough ability in those areas that I can get there. But when I do the things that fit into my unique ability, it doesn't wear me out. It actually energizes me. Wow. Now you think about the whole process of paying attention to who God made you to be and to have self-leadership and keep tweaking your job description. And you have the ability to do that more than you think you do. And no matter where you are in the organization, you can negotiate with your, right. with your supervisor to say, hey, I really want to advance a cause. Can I trade this job with someone else who has this job and I can do this more? I can actually do more and accomplish more because it doesn't wear me out. It energizes me. Great story in the Bible. Uh, you're familiar with it. Uh, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria there in John. Mm -hmm. And he goes to a little town called Sychar and he sends his disciples into town to get lunch. And he is there talking to the woman at the well. And when the disciples come back with lunch, he says to them, I'm not hungry. And they said, what do you mean you're not hungry? You just sent us into enemy territory to get lunch. And now you tell you're right. not hungry. And you remember what he said? He said, I have food you don't know about. Yeah. What was the food? Doing what he was sent to do. That's right. Now talk, this is an over, this is overstatement, but Jesus's unique ability was savior of the world. <laughs> he said in Luke, he said, I've come to seek and to save that right. which is lost. Right. And that's what he was doing. And he didn't even need to eat. So here's my question. What are those things that you're so excited about because you're right in your sweet spot that you are so involved in that you forget to eat that day? Wow. It happens, doesn't it? Mm. It doesn't happen, uh, unfortunately, enough for some of us who are a little uh, overweight, but it happens. That's where you want to spend more and more of your time. Now, here's very important. This is not saying I don't do windows because I'm a specialist. Oh. We all have to exercise servant and symbolic leadership to do some things that are outside our unique ability. And because we live in a fallen world, we'll never have complete alignment. There will always be weeds in the garden, according to the curse. That's right. Until Jesus makes a new heaven and a new earth, wow. we're going to be pulling weeds. But as much as it depends upon me, I need to be faithful to who God has made me. And nobody's in charge of that but me. Now, that's one thing that we have to do to lead self. Now, I'm, while I'm in my monologue, the second thing we need to do. <laughs> You're good. This is good. To lead self is we need to pay attention to our time slots. Okay. Here's the reality. I think there are three time slots in the day. There's morning, there's afternoon, and there's evening. And the reality is... Uh, and I think this changes at different ages, by the way. Okay. There's one of those three time slots that is more energetic and you're more creative than another time slot. For me, it's morning times right now. It is. Uh, 
For other people though, it's afternoon. And then there are some people that they are most energetic and creative at in the evening times. And so what I wanna do is I wanna ask the question, what are the essential things that I'm doing in my ministry that make the biggest difference that moves the ball down the field. And I want to put those activities in the time when I'm most creative, most energetic, and I also want to have alignment with my unique ability in those activities. Now what I've done is I've enhanced my unique ability even further. Right. Uh, which goes to the third thing that we want to do in, uh, in self-leadership, and that is to pay attention to the 80-20 rule. I know Pastor uh, Edwards has written a book called the 80-20 rule. Yes. But he's talking about that applying that rule to volunteers. What I'm talking about is in the activities we do. And here's what I would say about it in that regard. 20% of the activities that I'm engaged in produces 80% of the impact in my ministry. And so I want to ask the question, what are those activities? Mm -hmm. So here's the problem with us because we have a struggle with our self-esteem. We want to try to feel good about the fact that we're taking up space on the earth. And so we get up in the morning and we list all the things we need to do without prioritizing them. In fact, we will even put things on that list that we have already done just so we can cross them off and feel good about ourselves. Right. And then we just start checking them off, but they're not all equal. So what is that for me? Now, all I can do is give an illustration out of my particular job as a senior pastor at a local church. It's preparing to preach and preaching itself because I'm speaking to the largest audience. And then second of all, it's strategic leadership. Okay. And so what, if, if that produces, those 20% produces 80% of my results, then I wanna spend more and more of my time doing those two things. And I wanna give away the 80% that's mm-hmm. only producing 20% right. of my work. Now, that other 80%, those are important things and they need to be done. And as senior pastor, I'm responsible for making sure it gets done, but I shouldn't be doing it myself. Hospital visits, mm-hmm. counseling, uh, meeting with someone who has a bone to pick with the pastor, okay? <laughs> uh, 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 and you, it goes on and on. Or meetings that other people call to solve their problems but that are not going to have as great as impact of the meetings that I call to move the, the, the organization down the field. And so I have to work rigorously to put those activities, preparing to teach, and the meetings that I call for strategic decision-making in the best time slot of the day, uh, and I have to try to give away all those other things. Now, here's an interesting thing. I want to give the 80% that only produces 20% of the results to the people for whom doing those activities is their unique ability. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay? Because here's what happens with delegation. When we try to delegate those things and we're just trying to get rid of them or we're just trying to put somebody in a slot, those things will always come back to us because they didn't get done. And here's what we say when we fool ourselves. Well, I guess I have to do it. Nobody else can do it as well as I can. That's a lie. There are people who can do it much better than you can. But in in the process of delegation, you've got to give it to the person. And leadership, and now we're getting a little down uh, into leading down, uh, we've got to hand that delegation off well, which takes a little more time so that we don't have to hand it off again and again and again. And so we have to make the vision clear. Okay. Uh, we have to... Um, Make sure we're giving it to someone for whom it's their unique ability, the task that's involved. And then we have to create a catalytic system of knowing that that is being done well. 
I hate paperwork, but I really, I, I love catalytic systems where I can glance at something or I can glance at a, what I call a tell and immediately tell if that which I have handed off has been followed through on. Gotcha. And, and, and so that's a real important part of self-leadership. And then the last thing I would say today is, and obviously this is not exhaustive on self-leadership, but another key is to understand the season that you're in. Okay. So I think we go through four seasons over and over again. It's a cycle. And, and the first season is the dream season. That's when I'm starting a ministry or I'm in, new in a church or uh, 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 use another illustration uh, of the dream season would be when you're engaged to be married. Uh, another uh, dream season would be when you first become a Christian. That's that beginning for whatever endeavor. Right. And, that, and, it, and it, it calls in a special set of responses because you're in the dream season. And then the second season is what I call the do season. It's when you've got your team all together and you've got your strategy and you're implementing it and you're going, you're, as they say here in Texas, you're cutting hay and putting it in the barn. All okay. Right. But then there will inevitably come that third season, which I call the, the, uh, drag season. Oh. Okay. Uh, we all are familiar with the bell curve that things don't go up forever. There's this thing called gravity. We live in a fallen world again. And it's when things start to go down and it demands a different response than the due season. In the due season, you push on the gas pedal. If in the drag season, you push on the gas pedal, you're going down faster, okay? okay. And, and so what do you do when you find that things, the church is not growing anymore or that you're uh, disheartened? Uh, in marriage, what do you do when you hit that seven year itch? In your relationship with Christ, what do you do when you start praying and it seems like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Well, in those times you have some choices. What a lot of people do is they just go back to the due season harder. And again, they push on the gas pedal and that's the worst thing that you can do. But I would suggest there's a fourth necessary season so you can dream again and do again. And it's what I call the dark season. And that dark sounds negative, it's not negative. All right. uh, last night I went into my bedroom after a good long hard day of work and I turned the light off. I laid my head down on my pillow next to my wife and I slept well. That's a good thing. Right. Dark can be very good. And, and I think when we hit a drag season, one of the things that we need to do is we need to go into a dark season. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, let me use the metaphor of uh, a butterfly. Caterpillar, uh, in order to go to the next level, has to go into the chrysalis and it becomes totally dark. Now, I've never been in a chrysalis. I don't know what goes on in a chrysalis. Mm -hmm. My sense is that it's pretty painful. And it's gotta be scary because it's all happening in the dark. Right. But if they go through that process and you don't rush it, and we've all heard the illustration that if, when a butterfly is trying to get out of that chrysalis, if you help them, you actually hurt that butterfly because it doesn't develop the, the wing strength then to fly. And so we've gotta have that time. There's a wonderful scripture in Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any way in me that is evil and then lead me in the way everlasting. That's what happens in the dark. You say, God, why is my soul downcast? Why does the job not seem to be uh, exciting anymore? Why does my marriage uh, seem to have lost its romance? Why does my relationship with Christ cold? Whenever you get into that drag season, what God wants us to do is to be still and know that he's God and we're not. And to say, search me, try me, show me. 
That's self-leadership, and nobody can do that for you. And if we do the proper work in that dark stage, what happens is then God allows us to begin to dream again. I'll close with this. About that whole cycle for me vocationally in ministry is about once every five years. About once every five years. I've been at Lake Point Church now for 38 years. About once every five years, I get disheartened and I get discouraged or I get bored or I question, am I the, the guy to take the church to the next level? And I will literally take a retreat and in the process of preparing for that retreat, I will, as Proverbs says, I will get counsel for many different counselors. Can't make any one person the Holy Spirit, but God can speak to different people. And then my wife and I will get away and I'll say, who am I paying attention mm. to your unique ability? And how am I spending my time? And what is my job description evolved into? And where is my church? And what season are we in? And, and where does God want to take this thing? And, and I've done this about six or seven times in the last 38 years. And to this point, God has always called me back to Lake Point to go for the next five years. And, it, and it's kind of funny because in the early days, you know, larger churches would call and they'd say, hey, pastor, would you consider coming to our church? And I'd say, no. And they go, won't you even pray about it? And I said, oh, I did. I prayed about it about a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and since God's called me here, I know he hasn't right. called me there. And so what it kept me from being in those early days right. is from being distracted by other opportunities when God had called me to this unique opportunity in this time. The other thing that happens is I literally get back in my car after this retreat and I drive back into Rockwall and I drive up and down the streets like I did when I first started the church and I look at where they're building new homes and I go visit the school and I go to the city hall and reintroduce myself to the mayor. And then I go into my church building and I walk down the halls and I start picking up the little brochures that are there. And I think to myself, I could do a better job of pastoring this church than the last guy who was here which was me. <laughs> there we go. You don't need to go to a new place. You just need to be called to the place again. And that's a part of self-leadership. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. If you've enjoyed this lesson we've had with Pastor Steve Shrew, we just ask you if this has been helpful to you, if you could share this, if you could rate this, if you could review it. Help us get the word out and help as many leaders grow as possible because when leaders grow, organization grows. And as we get better, everyone around us gets better. So help us get the word out. We'll see you next time for the next episode of the Leadership Roundtable. Thanks. We'll see you next time.